So I have a new trick in my bag. When I need new ideas, I ask one of my AI engines for a list of 10 ideas. I don't just ask it for ideas, I say I want 10 ideas. Because what I've noticed is if I ask for 10 different ideas, there will be two of them in there that are pretty interesting and clever. If I just ask for ideas, I might just get five ideas. So I ask for 10 ideas on a topic, sort through them. Many of them I would have had already, but like I said, two of them are very interesting. I mean, asking an AI to do work like this for me is highly efficient. Asking it for ideas is enlightening and educational because it quote unquote thinks in more expansive ways than I will. Or maybe better said, it has access to a much larger set of data than I do. Going further, I might take these ideas and put them into another AI engine. So for instance, one that creates graphics. And now I can represent those ideas graphically or visually. I've been saying for years that we would one day have many of AIs in our digital toolbox. And today we have an exploding amount of AIs. So it's all just about assembling what kind of toolbox you want to have and learning how to use each of these AI engines. That day is here now. And I cannot express to you the feeling of optimism and new opportunities that this gives me. I can now create any graphic that my mind can dream up in seconds. I can harvest new ideas and generate content in ways that are 200% better than what I used to do in even the recent past. As a digital prophet, I see the science fiction dreams that I've had since I was a kid now coming true. And I'm not uh, just extrapolating that and you know trying to paint a bigger picture than there really is. Obviously, we are standing right at the forefront of a completely new horizon, and people would have to be pretty blind not to understand that. I felt the same way first time I saw a PC. Felt the same way the first time I saw email. Same way the first time I saw the internet, All right? All of this causes me to go down many philosophical thought streams. Am I amplified by a digital wave of creativity? Am I being crippled because I, I don't have to think as hard now? Am I less creative because I'm leaning on machine intelligence? Or is it just the opposite? Am I more creative by integrating my mind with all of these AI tools? That's all a philosophical question until you're actually doing it. When I actually am using these tools with my own hands, there is no question that I'm being amplified. My capabilities are being widened, broadened, enhanced, sped up in ways that they never were before. I am able to use tools now in a way I simply couldn't or didn't choose to learn. Perfect example of that would be, we've had Photoshop for years. Uh, I learned how to use it a little bit, but I never became a Photoshop expert. With Photoshop, you could create just about anything you want visually. I never learned how to do that. Today, I can use any one of the AI graphics engines and I can create anything I want in seconds without having to have a huge learning curve. Possibly things that I never would have been able to create with Photoshop because I'm co-working with the AI and the AI is adding some of its thoughts, some of its expertise to what I'm doing. All right, multiply this times millions of people doing the same thing that I am, and we have an interesting philosophical canvas to now throw some thoughts on because the scale of the changes that AI engines are making on humanity and will make is vast, and it is time that we really step back and think about all of this philosophically. And of course, this is the Digital Philosophy series. Now, for all of history, philosophy has been only about understanding the why and what dynamics of humanity. Here's a mind bender. Whether AI ever becomes conscious in any way, it will be freakily intelligent. 
And us co-working with a freakily intelligent tool changes humanity greatly. I think what I'm saying is, as we are quickly training AIs and turning them into powerful engines that will create vast wealth and vast capabilities for the owners, the more powerful they become, the more they will educate and amplify us. The more AIs may also split society into the digitally empowered and those who cannot afford all the licenses to have this kind of power. It's just something I've noticed, right, in the back of my mind that as I learn these AI engines to get the versions that I really want. I have to pay. And pretty soon, I will probably be paying hundreds of dollars a month to have the intelligent power that I want from machines. And not everybody is going to be able to do that. It's just one of the things that is a, a philosophical question around the digital divide that we have to be thinking about. I mean, we're quickly training these AIs and turning them into these powerful engines. And, and like I said, because that's going to have a massive impact on society multiplied times millions of people, billions of people who will be using using these tools, it behooves us to form a new area of philosophy that is humology integrated, one that entangles humans and digital tools so that we can deal with the new concepts that we have never faced before. Now, from this point forward in the podcast, I'm going to go through some things that might cause you to want to stop the podcast and think for a second. I'm going to ask a lot of questions that you might want to jot down and ponder. In other words, it's going to get deep from here. I just wanted to give you that warning. So in order to get this new era started, where I think we need to integrate philosophy, not just to be focused on humans and human dynamics, but to now integrate technology into that. So I propose that neo-philosophers, what I will call now the new breed of philosophers who care about this topic, that the neo-philosophers, we must create a list of important why and what questions for the future. Now, going back in the past, the Socratic method is thousands of years old and it still works. It is still true that humans ask great questions. Machines can answer questions, but machines are not great at asking insightful questions. So here's a human being asking other neo-philosophers, and today that means you, to consider the following questions. And I'll take these one at a time and not go through them too fast. First question, will digital intelligence speed up the enlightenment of humanity? Philosophy has dealt with for almost its entirety what it means to become more enlightened Philosophy is always a search for a person or a group to be more enlightened. Enlightened as in closer to the truth, being able to see the truth with a capital T. So will digital intelligence speed up humanity's seeking enlightenment? Or will it distract us and slow our path to enlightenment and down? It's an interesting question to ponder. Here's another one. Why might synthetic intelligence become our new religion, our new God? And when I say synthetic intelligence, obviously I'm just trying to put a name on the type of intelligence that machines have and will have. So as the synthetic intelligence becomes smarter and smarter, will it cause all kinds of problems such as people who only want to interact with the synthetic intelligence because they can put boundaries on it. They can control the synthetic intelligence. They can license or they can use a synthetic intelligence that only operates from one place. It has all kinds of different guardrails on it. For example, will people only want to deal with a, a, a male synthetic intelligence or only deal with a female synthetic intelligence or 
a synthetic intelligence that only knows about the rule of law, it knows nothing else. Or a synthetic intelligence that does marriage counseling. That's all it can do. In a world where this is what will happen, is that we will create a whole plethora of synthetic intelligences that mock the way humans are structured. Will that become our new God? our new religion, so to speak, what we are attached to more than anything else. Here's another question. What questions might digital intelligence be able to answer for us that we cannot answer for ourselves? For all of known history, if a question was going to be answered, it was answered by a human being or a group or a team of human beings. But that was our constraint. There was no other magic system that could give us answers outside of what we could answer for ourselves. But we, of course, now stand on the threshold of digital intelligences that can study huge amounts of data and might extrapolate different answers than what we have. And as those digital intelligences get smarter and smarter, they will be able to answer things we cannot answer for ourselves today. Now, look at a minor level. You know, I can ask a search engine or I can ask an AI a question today, and it, it will answer it. In many cases, give me an answer I had no idea. But what I'm talking about are how to cure cancer types of questions, questions that we've been seeking to answer for decades and still cannot answer fully on our own. It's interesting to ask what will be the questions that a synthetic intelligence will be able to answer for us that we can't answer for ourselves. Here's another one. Why do we today look at synthetic intelligence as a second class to human intelligence? Should it be second class to human intelligence? For many people, there's this automatic answer that, sure, human intelligence is the peak of intelligence. And of course, we would feel that way. It's all we know. And so we are going to feel like what's in our minds or human intelligence is the most intelligent thing we've ever seen. But it's only because of the scale. It's only because of the, the environment that we are in. I think we must look at a synthetic intelligence and say, hey, this shouldn't be a one-up, one-down judgment to say anything that is a digital intelligence should be second class to a human intelligence. We already have AIs that are smarter than human beings at very specific tasks. As time goes on, synthetic intelligence will be able to have more and more correct answers than humans. Now, I'm not trying to say that human intelligence is never going to have value once synthetic intelligence really hits a certain point. I think there will always be huge value to both. I think it's just an interesting question as to why today we really want to make digital intelligence a second class to our first class human intelligence, as opposed to just believing these are two different types of intelligences that don't need to be compared. There are apples and oranges. They both have their strengths. They both have their weaknesses, at least for now. Here's another question. If synthetic intelligences become smarter than us, should we just do what it says always, most of the time, never? You would have to be naive not to understand that digital intelligence is going to become smarter than us in some areas, maybe a growing number of areas for decades, millennia. But when it is quote-unquote smarter than us, it can provide better answers. Should we just do whatever it says all of our lives? Should we never experiment? Should we never try to learn things on our own? Should we never go against the, the prevailing wisdom of a digital intelligence? This causes so many other questions. 
intelligence. I mean, you might ask, well, how was the digital intelligence trained? You know, maybe that has something to do with it. Well, yes, if it was trained by a human, then doing whatever it says is like doing the same thing or doing what a king would tell you to do. If the digital intelligence is self-learning and it learns across vast amounts of time and data, maybe it does have much better ideas than we do about whether to go left or whether to go right. It's just an interesting question. As, as they become smarter, should we just do what it tells us? Will life be better that way? Here's another question. Can a digital intelligence answer philosophical questions without just parroting past writings? And if so, should we listen? You know, it's one thing for a machine to understand math. It's one thing for a machine to understand data. It's a whole other thing for a machine to understand philosophy, the whys, the subtle dynamics, the causes of things, especially when these things are humans. So it's interesting to me when we're talking about digital philosophy to consider, will there come a point in time where synthetic intelligence can just answer philosophical questions uh, on its own by extrapolating new thoughts, quote-unquote thoughts, right? And not just looking at the writings of what other humans have said and compiling those for a philosophical answer. This is much like asking if a synthetic intelligence can have emotion. But to be honest, I could understand a digital intelligence having emotion before understanding how to answer philosophical questions. Because emotion can be easier to explain, easier to program, easier to get a machine to be able to mimic or copy. It's very different than a machine being able to answer philosophical questions. Two more. These deal with consciousness. Can a machine become conscious in some unique way that's different than human consciousness? And if so, how does that change? right? <laughs> you know, now in our world, we generally think that consciousness is tied pretty closely to our brain. And I say that because when I ask people, hey, is a dog conscious? Yes. Is a rock conscious? No. And many times the dividing line is if it has a brain, then it has at least some potential to be conscious. Depending on how we define consciousness, we'll come back to that. So again, can a machine become conscious in some unique way that's different than human consciousness? And, and if so, again, how does that change the world? And my last question, how will the achievement of synthetic consciousness, if I call it that, right, what machines would have, how will the achievement of synthetic consciousness be agreed upon when we cannot even agree on defining our own human consciousness? In other words, how would we be able to say that an AI has reached a state of synthetic consciousness? Like I said, when, when philosophers can't even agree on what is human consciousness. Now, I don't want to devolve into a debate around consciousness uh, from a philosophical level. This is not the time or place. Uh, I'm trying to be a bit more practical than that. So let me give you a working definition for consciousness, just a working definition that we can use. So if we look at consciousness as being aware of self, okay, you, you have an understanding of yourself, your existence, your thoughts, your actions, 
your responses, right? You're aware of self and your self-learning and in some cases, let's say self-healing, right? And I use the word healing loosely, but you have the ability to cure. You have the ability to make better, right? So if you're aware of self, you have the capacity to learn and you have an interest in self-healing or maximizing your health in some way. I'm going to use that as a working definition for consciousness. Now, with that, now we can start trying to apply this into some different places. Uh, and I've been thinking about this for a long time. So let me, again, let me just present to you a way of thinking about consciousness, possibly. Uh, and you can choose to accept this or, or, or not. I'm just trying to work us up to how would we even know what synthetic consciousness is? So think about things in terms of low, low level of consciousness to high level of consciousness, right? If I started off at a low level, I might say there's a level called plant consciousness or nature consciousness, right? The plant actually fulfills my working definition, right? It's at least aware of itself. It knows that it exists in that it knows what spring, summer, winter is. It knows what its capabilities are to maximize in that time. It, it can be self-learning. The plant can experiment and know if I move this direction, I get more of the sun. If I close a leaf, I have a better chance of survival. If I bud out now, I can self-replicate, right? It also is self-healing. It will actually grow deeper roots if it's windier outside or if it needs to grow deeper roots to be able to reach more water. Now, you may argue and say, well, no, the plant really isn't aware of any of this. Those are all just programmed into the plant. And again, I would just say I, somewhere we have to draw the line on consciousness. Right? If something is intelligent enough to be aware of itself, self-learning and self-healing, which arguably a plant is, then we'd have to say, well, there's at least plant consciousness. I'm going to come up to mechanical consciousness. Think about a factory floor that is highly automated today highly intelligent, very aware of what's going on on the factory floor, very able to alert people if there's a problem. I believe there's a state of mechanical consciousness that a machine or a set of machines could be sophisticated enough that they are aware of themselves. They know that they are running a factory floor. They, uh, this system can get smarter. It can learn from its mistakes or prior mistakes, and it can actually self-heal when there are problems. Problems. So I believe we could have mechanical consciousness. Uh, from that, animal consciousness, I shouldn't have to explain this, you know, a dog, a horse, a baboon, a whale, an elephant, right? They all have animal consciousness. Then the next step up would be what I believe AIs might be able to achieve, synthetic consciousness. Then human consciousness. And I'll go one more. I'll say there's a level of spiritual consciousness, or I could argue that there's a huge scale of human consciousness that goes from very basic survival mode to a highly in-touch spiritual mode, right? So maybe human consciousness has a much wider array than some of the others. But there you go. There's levels of consciousness. And if we now step back from that and we say, all right, let's look at a bigger picture. Philosophy is also about developing wisdom, like right? seeing the world in new ways and answering new challenging questions. Right? That's what, it, what philosophy is about. Philosophy is about trying to address questions like what is consciousness? How do we know that something is conscious? Is there different levels of consciousness? What does this mean? This is why I say we got to step back and look at a bigger picture here to even be able to slot in. What is mechanical consciousness? 
consciousness and what is synthetic consciousness into things that have organic brains because these will have more mechanical or technological brains. Now, I will tell you, podcasts already help me in my journey quite a bit. Hopefully, this podcast is helping you think thoughts that you've never thought before. But I listen to all kinds of podcasts that help me in a journey. So, if podcasts, content, blogs, information is able to help me to be able to think thoughts like these, why not a highly intelligent chatbot trained in philosophy, for example? I mean, why couldn't that be the next step in our evolution, that we actually take a lot of the human knowledge that we have now, embed it into an intelligent chatbot, and get it to be in a place where it actually could debate philosophical questions with us. And if we could do that, we could have a discussion with my philosobot that is a synthetic consciousness, and I could bounce my thoughts and debates off that AI. And it would do the same without any emotion or competitive need to be smarter than me. And think about if millions of people were having to discussions with philosophers, and that synthetic consciousness is getting smarter and smarter, just like we do as human beings. There's no reason that this isn't where we're headed. And for me, it sounds like fun. I mean, I would love to do that. It would be interesting to see when I bounce questions like this off a person, the difference when I bounce this off a philosophot. Maybe all the science fiction shows and books that I've consumed have, have just made it a little too easy for me to see what's coming, right? Sometimes I step back and I think, oh my gosh, you know, 40 years of reading science fiction, and now a lot of this is starting to come true. You know, the conversational AI talking to me like an infinitely intelligent friend, in this case, helping me evolve my philosophical views without any man machine bias. These are the things that people were writing about a hundred years ago, a mechanical intelligence that was as or more intelligent than a human being. In a world where there are too many people asking too few questions, I'm excited about any catalyst that forces people to unpack the world around them and the vast jungle of their own minds. As AIs get more powerful, we will be faced with defining ourselves versus synthetic intelligences. It's not going to stop. And instead of believing that a synthetic intelligence is always second class to us, we will one day understand that it is a different type of intelligence and we don't need to be one up, one down or good, bad. We can just relate to the synthetic intelligences in a way that moves us forward. I mean, there is a new era of philosophy coming. I mean, I just don't think we can avoid that now. I mean, th there will be a new set of interesting questions to answer, much like what I just gave you, but there will be many more. There will be new topics that we can debate and, and these will drive us into truths so that we can understand better. We will be better as human beings beings. We will be able to solve some of these neo-philosophical questions about humology. And I believe all of this will make us prosper. I believe all of this makes the human race better, not worse. Now, I don't want to sound like I have rose-colored glasses. Being an optimist doesn't mean I don't have concerns, and oftentimes I share these with you. But I've got to tell you this. I read so many articles and I see a breed of articles that uh, are very much in the line of, hey, just because all of this is new, it doesn't mean it's good. These intelligence systems aren't really that intelligent. You know, we make a huge mistake if we just do what they say. And what's sad about this is some of those debates are good. Some of those debates are just a misunderstanding of where we're headed. Some of these are debating the wrong 
wrong aspects. Look, there will be problems with intelligent systems. There will be naive, naive human beings that just do whatever an intelligent system tells them without thinking about it, and it will cause them problems. Certainly, we will have generations of that dynamic as we learn to better co-work with machines. I don't sit here and believe that nothing is going to go wrong with synthetic intelligences as we go into the future. But also, I have no doubt whatsoever that we will harness the power of synthetic intelligences to be able to improve and expand the human race. If you found this podcast to be a bit mind-bending, you know, well, that's good. Like, society needs to be faster on the draw with understanding the impacts of technology. And this starts with you, by the way, being able to answer insightful questions in your own world. It's getting to be a complex world. I say that all the time. It's getting more complex. It's not going to stop getting more and more complex. A world with highly integrated intelligent systems is not going to be less complicated than the human world. We have more humans coming into the world, and we're going to have higher-end synthetic intelligences integrating with those human beings. This is not going to make the world a simpler place. What it could do is make the world a place where we speed up enlightenment. It could be a world that is fair to everybody. It could be a world where we figure out how to get rid of the digital divide. And I'm not, again, looking for a, a panacea. I'm just looking for a world that is not uh, painted in the dark pictures that Hollywood sometimes wants to paint it. There is a world that is a beautiful place. There is a world where technology and enhances what it means to be human, speeds up what we're trying to accomplish with being enlightened. That world does exist, and I'm going to do my very best to make sure we get there. Thank you for listening and giving these ideas a chance. Let this be a two-way conversation and connect with me on Twitter at sklasowski or on LinkedIn. I also write a blog that you can find at scottklosowski.com. An added bonus is a library of thought-leading graphics you can download from the site. One more thing, please take a moment and rate this podcast on whatever platform you use. Ideas are powerful change agents, and positive reviews will help spread the digital optimism.